Men, thank you so much to our musicians who've led us so beautifully this morning. 2020, we've just heard over and over again, we're to be thankful, but we're ready for it to end too. 20, I was on a Zoom meeting with a group of pastors and, and the meeting began this way. The, the host asked all of the pastors, tell us one thing that you've learned during this pandemic. And as you would expect with a group of pastors, the first few answers were quite spiritual. And then a pastor that I love dearly said, I've discovered that I truly dislike my children. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's. So what's next? What's, what's 2021 going to look like? 2022 and 2025. What's, what's our life? What are our lives going to look like? And, and what about as a church in terms of our mission as a local congregation, but also the church at large in a world that just seems to be changing so much? Where do we go from here? And so this morning, I've asked a couple of friends to come and to help us think about what the future is like. And so I invite Bill and Phil to come and to join us this morning. On the far end is, uh, well, a friend who's been here yeah. before. This is Phil Young, and Phil is Director of Missions for the Knox County Association of Baptists, and Phil has been here with us. During my sabbatical, you were here. You've certainly been here before, and you've been, at the, you've been here since 2014 as Director right. of Missions. I couldn't yeah. believe it's been that long, Phil. I went back and looked, and then for another 20 years pastoring here in North Carolina, and looking into the future about ministry and church trends and opportunities and what's working and what's not working, that certainly is part of what Phil does. And we're gonna to come to Phil in just a few moments. But this is Dr. Bill Fox. And uh, Dr. Fox is one of our members here and is also part of the Haslam School of Business. You are the Randy and Jenny Boyd Distinguished Professor and Director of the Boyd Center for Business and Economic Research. And I have to admit, Bill, when I saw that title, I decided I have not been treating you with proper respect. <laughs> well, exactly. I yeah, will do better sure. from now on. They give us titles, Until not money. I saw that your PhD was from Ohio State, and I thought, how did that happen? We're going to have to talk about that somewhere in the past. But part of what Bill has been doing over, throughout his career is working with economics and in particular with taxes, but you're also having to look into the future about trends and what's coming down the road and the changes that are there. And so thank you for being here. Thank you for your service in our church in many ways, but in particular this morning. And so we begin with Bill. And so, uh, Bill, this is what you do all the time. And I'm, um, I have to ask you to do it this way. You have eight minutes to tell us wow. about all of our futures. Can we get Carmel and Timmy to make it fun? For we might people? can get Carmel and Timmy to make it fun, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much, yeah. Wade. I appreciate the chance to be here. And, and you know, as we all know, COVID-19 has created an enormous number of, of changes, but mostly what's done is accelerate things that were already taking place. So let me just talk about three things. Okay. Uh, and you know, I'm an economist, so I'm gonna use graphs, if right. it's okay, but he's gonna control them to make me move fast. Right. Um, and so, so three things that are really changing in, in our world, two of them are demographics, one is, is technology. And I, I think the thing that we all need to keep in mind is these things are gonna happen. 
we're not gonna keep them from happening. And so the question is, how do we as individuals or as a church or as a country take best advantage of these things that are gonna happen? So, so the first trend is, is the aging of the population. And, and so what I've done is divide the, the population into three groups. Those who are under 18, traditional working age population, and people over 65. And if you look at this chart, what you're gonna see is that we're about halfway through the aging of the population that's taking place. Yeah. And for and those, let me just say, for those who can't see, uh, you, you can't, the bottom, it begins in 1950 and it's going up to uh, 2040, is it? Is that it includes okay. a forecast. Okay. And, and this is a forecast done actually by the Social Security Administration. I, I think they're a little bit off, but it's, it's reasonable for, right. for what we're looking at. And, and the, the thing to see is that by 2040, which you know, used to seem a long time ago to me, but at yeah. my age now, 20 years ago, feels like nothing. This was like 2000, right, uh, to, to today. And, and what, what's gonna happen is more than one out of four people in our whole country is gonna be over 65 years old. So that's the first thing. And think all no, the retirement me, homes. By 2040. By 2040. 20, one in four people did you, will be over you 65. Will be over 65. Right. right. And so, you know, think of, of a retirement home on every corner. Think of all the health care that's associated with it. Second thing, if you look at this, is that share of the people who are working is going to shrink. And so what I say to my students is, you have to work really hard because you've got to pay my Social Security and, Med and Medicare, and there's going to be fewer of you. And then, then the third part, which is equally um, sharp and important, I think, for the church to think about is birth rates have absolutely plummeted in our country, not in the COVID-19 era, but since about 2005. And they just keep falling and we keep wondering, where, where's the bottom on this? And so it's like an apple going through a snake. We're going to see this at every era, how many kids hit, hit Mother's Day out, how many kids hit kindergarten, how, and so forth, and how that impacts our church. So the first trend is, is the aging of the population and demographics. The second trend is the ethnicity of our population. What's happened over the last 40 years is the share of the population that is non-white has doubled. And again, this is a trend that's just gonna keep growing. Now, most of these are not immigrants. Most of these are people being born in the US, but from a different ethnicity than what I see sitting in this room. Okay. And, and so again, how do we relate to a group of people who look different from us, may have come from a different background of us. How do we minister to them? How do we serve them? How do we relate as, as a country? We've seen a lot of that politically, I think, in, in recent months. And then the third trend, is technology and this is the one that's hardest to predict but but the point i'm trying to make out of this chart if you can if you can visualize it is how much more rapidly people adopt technologies today relative to the past again if you can see the chart what it's showing you is it took 50 75 years to get electricity adopted it took 50 75 years to get cars adopted phil and i were just talking about this so so how many of you could have imagined 13 years ago that folks would be watching this service streamed on one of these. A smartphone which has more capacity than the supercomputers that were built in the 1990s. That's the rate of change and how everybody in this room has one of these things and has that capacity. And so technology has, is 
changing super fast. And then the questions that need to come to our mind are, how do we use this to our best advantage within the church? And I think the church has been learning, again, the acceleration because of COVID-19. How do we take advantage of it? But we're still on the front end of where these technologies are going to go. And, and of course, not only are they impacting the church, but they're impacting what we do at work. And so one of the things I've been working on a lot is autonomous uh, vehicles and how this is going to impact the workforce and what people are doing and you know from the tax side how it's going to impact taxes but but it impacts the entire economy but go through the list ai telemedicine and and it's it's really going to shift the way we train people the jobs they have how quickly they have to transition this is a world moving much faster than any of us are used to that's what's different do you find it fearful or exciting well, as an academic, it's, it's exciting, right? But, but when I have a student uh, come to me, and, and I do a lot of speaking on these issues, I have people in the speaking situation come to me and say, well, what should my child study? I don't know quite what to tell them yeah. because the world is changing so fast. Even things like accounting or, or, or coding, you know, we think, well, t teach people to be coders. The reality is, coders are gonna, is coding is going to be done with drop-down screens. You're not going to need technically trained people anymore to do coding. Accounting is done mostly with computers going forward and so forth. And, and so, so it's, it's, it, it's scary as I think about my children and particularly my grandchildren. And what are they going to do over the next, not 10 years, but the next 50, 60 years of their life? And, and you know, we have, to be, we have to be flexible, but how do we use it best in the ministry? How do we use it best in the church? How do we support okay. people? They're gonna see all this change in their life. Thank you. One question, just to kind of drive it home. How far away, in, how far away are we from, I'm not gonna own a car, I'm gonna walk outside and catch a vehicle that no one's driving? Yeah. and tell it where I want to go, and I'm going to work while I'm on, on my so, way. So did you read about the guy going through Canada who the police were trying to stop recently? He was driving uh, a Tesla, and he had fallen asleep, and the Tesla was driving down the interstate highway, and he's just sleeping, right? I mean, we're there already with some of the technology. It, 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 we still need some, some improvements, and you know, right after it rains and stuff like that. Five years, you'll see this readily available. You're gonna see it in, in big trucks on long distance faster than that. You'll see it on shuttles. It'll be rampant in places like uh, New York and Washington first. It'll hit Knoxville. We won't own our cars. We'll just buy the service from Uber. It will radically change how we all get places. And, and for the good, you know, 15% of our space is parking. We don't have to worry about all this parking lot out here. One of the first things I worked on as a member of the church was parking for the church. We won't have to worry about that anymore. We can, we can sell off more space and yeah. <laughs> for another building, you know, because we're not gonna need the parking. A big change is coming. All right. Thank you, I think. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. A lot. <laughs> All right, Phil, let's, yeah. uh, let's lay on top of that, or maybe that's laying on top of, uh, let's, let's narrow that focus down to what's the church going to look like? Uh, yeah. What's it going to look like to be the church as we move into the future? You know, it's really interesting because we're, we're getting a glimpse of that right now. Um, picking up with what Dr. Fox just said, we were in some conversations the other day, and much of what we were experiencing, we knew was coming. We thought we had five years, 10 years, maybe 15 on the outside for many of these changes to take place. And they've occurred in three to five months. Hmm. So uh, this pandemic, this uh, 2020 has just accelerated a lot of the changes that we anticipated coming our way anyway. 
Uh, it's pretty interesting that 2020 was, when we started it in January before all of this happened, it was the year of vision for everybody, right? And it's really interesting because it's probably given us a clearer vision into the future than we realize. And it's given us the greatest opportunity to consider some of the changes that we think are, are going to impact our churches readily. One of those is, um, if I can put it this way, what, what will it look like to be the church into, the, into these next few years? And one of the things that it will look like is that the church that has drawn us out of our community is now drawing us back into our community. And that's one of the things that the pandemic has done is pushed people back into their communities with the restrictions and the travel and all of that. Um, churches in the last few years have been built on this regional concept. People had transportation and they could go anywhere. COVID's pushed us back into our communities. And so I think people are developing a, a, a desire to see more of these community churches. We're seeing more leaders want to start community-oriented churches. So I think we're going to see things like missional communities, smaller groups that are actually functioning almost like churches, missional communities across the city and the county house church movements to where people are gathering in smaller groups but in their homes. A new movement that's rapidly growing in some of our major cities is called microchurch. And basically it's a, it's a small model of churches not getting over 20 people in a gathering and uh, rather than the larger churches. And what that's doing is it's shifting our idea from church being an addition, let's, let's grow by adding members, to let's grow by multiplying locations. Um, I don't think that this is necessarily in, in the immediate future is going to be a replacement to the established church, but I do think it needs to be a tactical arm of our strategy. It needs to be something that we're looking at to, to see this multiplication take place, and we are seeing it. Um, church in Lubbock, Texas completely dismantled their mega church because they could not reach people fast enough, couldn't build buildings quickly enough, couldn't hire staff uh, economically enough, so they've dismantled their mega church into a, a small missional community movement in order to reach 10 hundred times the people that they anticipated. I think another one of the shifts that we're going to see is um, church that relied on a professional ministry model is moving us toward a personal ministry model. Uh, we have relied for a long time on professional ministers to do the work. Uh, we're seeing more now to where this is coming home and each one of us are, are need to adopt this we're personal ministers, our personal ministry model. The professionals, quote unquote, will now train us how to lead worship in our homes, train us how to disciple our children or our neighbors, uh, train us how to do ministry in our own community locally, train us how to engage in mission through uh, different types of community engagement right there where we live or where we work. Um, even evangelism, one of the things that we've seen even this year, I had a, one of our church uh, pastors tell me this year, they have seen um, more uh, what we would call church members' children come to faith in Christ and be baptized mm -hmm. than in any other time of their church's history. They're a relatively young church, about 10, 15 years old. They've seen more children of families come to Christ this year because mom and dad are sharing their faith with them at home. Uh -huh. So they're, being, they're not relying on bringing them to church to do that. And so they've done it at home. Kind of ties in with your video that you yeah. just saw a minute ago. And so this APEST model out of Ephesians 4 of God gifting some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists, shepherds and teachers, those, that's the, the giftedness that God's given to train us personally in ministry to live this out in our homes and in our own activities rather than rely on the professionals to do it all for us. We're seeing that shift take place. We're seeing a shift that um, from the gathered in person 
which is where we were all of this history. And then COVID quickly propelled us into gathering virtually. And now what we're seeing is a shift back to the, what's called the hybrid church, to where worship, small groups, and meetings are taking place in a hybrid model. Some are gathering, but fewer are gathering. And the projection is, the projections are that uh, the gathered church will probably not exceed more than about 70% of its pre-COVID gathering capacity. But what's going to happen is there'll be some gathered and some joining virtually at the same time. Communication and resources will take place like that. Churches are even treating their digital outreach, their digital arm of their church, and those who are gathering digitally, they're seeing them now as satellite campuses. So not a satellite physical campus like we're accustomed to, but all of the people who are gathering digitally, treating them like a satellite campus. Churches having online ministers. That's right. That's online ministers, satellite campuses. There's a very traditional modeled church in Nashville uh, that just this year, a few months ago, they have a family that lives in Colorado, no intentions of moving. They have, they're, they're there in Colorado. The family connected with this church in Nashville digitally during the pandemic. They have joined the church. Their kids are engaged in the, in the student ministry, and they baptized one of their children. The father baptized one of the children virtually, and they are members, officially members of this church in Nashville, but they live in Colorado. That's just something different than we have seen before. But we're going to see, I think, that kind of hybrid outreach. And then uh, the other one that we see taking place is um, the church that um, was once not just gathered but is now coming back virtually. One of the things we're going to see is this last one that I want to talk about, and that is moving from this cultural narratives on into addressing the biblical narrative. What we're seeing is people growing weary and tired of the church not being distinct in that area. Where's the distinction when the church just wholeheartedly adopts the cultural narratives that are going on? And not not distinct to the point of exclusion, but distinct from the point of characteristics that define who we are. And we're going to see, I think, a shift in that. We're already seeing that to where the church is coming back saying, less than us embrace the cultural narratives to try to bring everybody that we can into our gatherings, let's hold true to, to communicating the truth that marks who we are as the people of God, the called out ones, the sent ones. Let's communicate that truth, but let's communicate it with grace. There's where the exclusion is, is washed away. Let's communicate this with grace a spirit of humility through our lifestyles. A phrase that's very popular that I think identifies the trend that's coming is that lifestyle is the new apologetic. We will defend our faith by the way in which we live it out with the truth, the grace, and the spirit of humility. And then it's not really a trend, but I think it goes worth saying of what we're seeing here now is this last thing, that so much of what the church um, has protected, we've been protecting that which we've been afraid to lose, our rights, and now what we're going to need to see is the right to practice what we're free to do. Can, Some of can these, you, will you explore that a little bit for us? Yeah, we are so, we've been so concerned with cultural shifts that are going to take many of our rights away. Our right to gather in a worship setting publicly like this with limitations. We're seeing that in states already where the government's mandating limits on that. And we're afraid that we're going to lose those rights. And yet for so many decades prior up until 2020, that's not been a value that we've really embraced. We've, we've gathered when it was convenient for us. We've gathered when we wanted to. And we fought hard to protect that right that we didn't really value. The right to share our faith mm-hmm. publicly, 
We, you know, we want the freedom. We don't want that freedom taken away. We want to be able to publicly exclaim who we are. And yet our evangelism trends over the last several decades will show that that wasn't something we really truly valued. And so I think what we're going to see is that all of these rights that we have fought so hard to protect, we're going to understand, you know what, it's more important for us to practice what we're actually able to do, even when those restrictions and limitations are there. So let me ask you the same thing I asked Dr. Fox. Do you find this exciting or fearful? I find it very exciting. Um, Now, where the scary part comes, where the scary part comes is I think that as the church, we are probably going to experience things that we've only read about in our missionary uh, literature happening across the world. But I think it's going to be more difficult for Christians to identify with, with Christ and with his church. It's going to be more difficult. We're going to experience more of that type of just opposition or exclusion. Uh, we've gone from acceptance to toleration now into opposition. And I think one of the things we're going to find is that that opposition is going to increase. But throughout God's history, when that type of opposition has increased, the church has seen its best days. So to me, that's exciting. Uh, Bill, you started off by saying something like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but something like, uh, it doesn't matter whether you like these changes or not, they're coming. (laughs) They're happening. It it doesn't matter whether we like it or not. These shifts are already in place within our culture. And um, so we have to be ready. And not just, uh, I mean, certainly it's very important how are you going to do that as a family and how are you going to hold your family together and decide what, you're, what, what you mean by family values and how you're going to communicate together and, and be a family unit. But also as a church, what does it mean for us in terms of opportunities to be the church and to be the people of God and, and not to just resonate fear or resistance or anger, but the good news of the gospel and I have to think God is still in this somehow. Yeah. And so uh, a lot of our folks have discovered Sabbath rest. Good for them. (laughs) They're going to be joining us online. Uh, And it's time for us then to rethink again, then what is our mission and what is our identity and uh, who has God called us to be and how are we going to do that? Anything else you would like to add before I, I wrap this up with a biblical text? Sure. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for the work that you're doing. There's a text in Matthew chapter 10 uh, where it just seems perfect for where we are at the end of 2020. And Jesus is sending out his disciples because everything is about to change. And so he calls them together and he tells them this, I'm giving you authority And he gives them authority over demonic spirits and powers. And then Matthew actually gives us the name of all of these disciples. And he sends them out and he tells them things like this. Don't take money with you. Don't even take a change of clothes. I find very interesting. Don't even take a walking stick with you. And when you are welcomed into someone's home, then go into that home and give that home your blessing. And if they receive it, then let that blessing stay there. And if they turn your back on, or back on then you, you, you shake the dust from your feet and, and you move on. 
And then he gives them these words. Behold, which is a little, it's a little word in Greek. We're not always quite sure how to translate it in a way that connects with us. Sometimes it's translated look. Sometimes it's see. It's, it's, it's Jesus going, all right, listen. This is important. Listen. I am sending you out as sheep among wolves, which is not a good image. Why would sheep go out among wolves? Why would you put yourself at that risk or that danger or that rejection or that hurt or that risk? Why not play it safe? Why not stay at home? Why not keep your mouth shut? Why buy into this? Because he's already told them, though, I want you to go and tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What God has said God is going to do all along, the dream that started at creation is now going to happen, and we need to let people know this if you are willing to be a part of this mission. But I'm going to be up front with you. I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. If you keep reading after this verse, he will even tell them, some of you are going to be arrested and taken before the council. It's not going to go well for you. And I find it very interesting. He said, here's the gospel and here's the good news. And I'm giving you authority over spirits and demons but I'm not going to protect you from suffering. I'm not going to take that away from you. So, be crafty as serpents and innocent as doves. Plan. Think. Be smart. Look at what the trends are. Look at where the culture is shifting. Look at where the opportunities are. Don't invite hardship, but don't turn your back on the opportunities that are there. Listen to how God is leading you and what God is saying. In 1684, John Bunyan wrote a book that most of us have never read titled Advice to Sufferers. Hmm. That's not the one we want. And in it, he just asked the question, when do you stand And when do you run? When do you say it's time to write it off and walk away? There's too much at risk and and too much hurt. Or when do you say, no, here's where I take my stand and I cannot compromise here. This is who I am and who we are. And this is the message. And he knew what that answer was for himself. He had four children, one of which had a special physical need. And he had to choose if he was going to remain in prison for 12 years or if he was going to compromise on what he had been saying and preaching. And he pointed out, you know, even in the biblical text, Moses fled and Moses stood. And there was a time where Jeremiah fled and there was a time when Jeremiah stood. And there was a time when David fled and David stood. There was a time when Paul fled and Paul stood. There was a time when Jesus walked away and there was a time when Jesus stood. And so the question isn't what's at risk. It's how in tune are we to the heart of God? How in tune are we 
to the incredible love and compassion that God has for our neighbors and our community who are feeling all the anxiety and all the questions and all the fear and are wondering, what does 2021 look like in 2022, in 2023? We can't answer all of those questions, but we do know we are not alone. And the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I have a purpose. And you have a purpose. We just have to find the courage to be those people. So let's pray. Lord, we wish we didn't have to suffer. Uh, we wish life was easier. We wish we never had a pandemic, and we wish this one would go away. We wish our culture wasn't divided and angry. We wish families could sit around the table without wondering what they can say or, or not say. And we wish we knew exactly what to say to our neighbor and our coworker and the friend we run into at the grocery store. And so today we take a deep breath and we offer ourselves to you once again as individuals and as a local church, as families, and Sunday school classes, mission groups. What are you doing and how can we join you? In Christ's name we pray, amen. In just a moment, we continue our worship by singing. And we sing this incredible praise and thanksgiving to our God this morning. Uh, if you would like to talk to someone this morning, you've never made that decision as we celebrated in baptism. Uh, you've never said, I, I don't think I can do this anymore on my own. I need, I need someone bigger and I need something bigger to live for. Would you let us share with you the good news of who Jesus is and what Christ is doing in our world? And maybe you've been wondering about the future and you've been struggling with anxiety and fear, and, but it's also time to say, and where am I with my walk with God? And what is it God would like to do? Opportunities, incredible opportunities. It's an exciting time to be a part of the kingdom of God. Let's see where God is going to take us. Will you please stand?